Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Alrighty, let's come back together. Let's come back together. Are you ready for the word today? I've got a word for you. Thank you, Annabelle, for leading us, and Aidan and Millie and the team. We appreciate that. Let's pray, then we're going to dive in. Father, we thank you for this day that we can gather in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word, that it speaks to us. Lord, that you fill me with your spirit, you fill us with your Holy Spirit. You give us ears, hearts open to hear from you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I want to take you back to the year 2012 and the 2012 Olympic Games, which was in which city? It was. It was London. It was London. It was the year that the mighty Usain Bolt ran the 100 meters in 9.63 seconds, like the fastest of all time. And then at the end of the um, Olympic Games, well, towards the end, we have the, run, we have the swimming and then the running. That's all we care about in Australia. Swimming and then running. And then at the end, after the 100 meters, they have the, the relay races, which I really enjoy. And the uh, relay race is... Is a, is a really important race. And I'm uh, going to show you the, the uh, final of the 4 by 100 meter relay where the Jamaican team get the world record. Okay? Turn your eyes to the screen. Check this out. That's pretty impressive. Well, I saw uh, Martin Baker walk in this morning. I went, man, you, like, you look like Usain Bolt when I saw you walk in today, Martin. All those muscles. <laughs> Hey, um, relay races, they're incredible races, but there's two parts to a, to, to a relay race. The first part is how a person runs, and it's super important that, that, the, that each individual runner runs the best that they can run. It's about being trained, it's about getting fit, it's about eating all the right things, it's timing around the gun, it's about knowing where, when to start, when to finish. It's getting your stride right. It's doing everything you can to be the best runner that you can be. That's number one. And the second bit about the relay race is the baton pass, where you practice the passing of the baton, because that bit regularly goes wrong, doesn't it? Regularly goes wrong. And how you carry the baton is important, and how you pass it on to your next person is super important, and there's many hours of practice making sure your strides are aligned and when the person should run and where should they be and which hand am I going to put it in and because the, because the, the baton pass is, is uh, super important. Why am I talking about relay races? Well, the kingdom of God is like a relay race where God's people are like the runners, where each one of us has a leg to run in the, in the relay race. And then we pass on the message, the baton, the message of Jesus from one generation to the next. As we run, as people who run the Christian race, we need to be fit. We need to be healthy. We need to be strong. We need to be trained. We need to be equipped in order to live, to run the race that God has for us in this life, to run it in the way he wants us to run it. We carry the baton, the message of Jesus, and as we run, everyone sees it, and obviously it's not a perfect analogy, but we share this message of Jesus with 
the world around us. We do it through words. We do it through actions. We do it as we care for people, as we listen to people, as we share our testimony about what God has done in our life, as we share it with others, as we love people, we are carrying that baton. And then we pass on the message of Jesus to the people who follow us. That might be your neighbors. That might be people who are um, in, in your workplace. It might be your kids. It might be your children. It might be your, it might be your grandchildren as we pass this message on. And, and the thing about the uh, relay race is that if you're the first runner, the second runner, the third runner, and the fourth runner are all watching you run. And then as soon as you pass it on, Aiden Catch, as the first runner, then you cheer on the people who follow you. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> the light got me then. I wasn't sure where that was. Um, so as we run our race, our race never stops until we breathe our last breath. Because we're either running it ourselves, celebrating the next runner, watching the people who come before us, we're in a relay race. And the reason I share that today is because as we look at the book of Hebrews, we see a relay race where one generation passes over the promises of God to the next generation. Throughout Hebrews, in Hebrews 11 so far, we've looked at what it means to be people of faith. And my hope and prayer that this year you've been people who have taken steps of faith, that you've lived on green, you've said yes to God, and you've done some great things for God this year. And as we look at the, the uh, people in Hebrews 11, as the writer of Hebrews looks back to the Old Testament and looks at to the heroes of the faith, we see how they were people of faith. They weren't perfect by any means. They had their major stuff-ups and errors, just like us. But they were people of faith, people who trusted God. They trusted God for today and tomorrow as they lived this life. They lived the life of faith. But they also had a faith that God was going to give them a new heaven and a new earth, a city designed by God, a place that we call heaven, where one day we will go and be with him forever. So they had faith for God today, and they had faith for God for eternity. And as we look at this text today from Hebrews 11, you're going to see that these people had faith that God is going to fulfill his promises and his purposes from one generation to the next. So let's look at this script today from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. It says this, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of, his, each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And the last verse for today. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Now, as I was preparing this text, I went, holy dooly, what do I do with this text of Scripture? Hence, I went with the, hence I went with the relay race. We're going to look at each one of these um, verses one at a time, and I'm going to give a bit more information about each one. The first one, by faith, Isaac. Who was Isaac? Well, you had Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And you had Isaac and his brother, got it, Ishmael and Isaac, right? And it was through Isaac that God brought the promises of Abraham to Isaac. And then Isaac had some sons who were Esau and Jacob. And this passage 
is referring back to Genesis chapter 27, where Jacob was about to bless his son, sorry, Isaac was about to bless his son Esau, the firstborn, because Isaac was getting to the end of his days. Now, at the time, the father blessing his son was a really big deal. It meant laying hands on them. It meant prophetic declaration. It meant approval of one's parents. It meant giving authority in the family and also around inheritance. And if you were the firstborn, you got the, the, the double portion of the inheritance. And every other son got one portion because the eldest son who got the double portion was, was responsible for looking after the family. Particularly any unmarried people or any widows, the firstborn son was, was, um, to, look after the, was to look after the family. So this blessing was a really, really important thing. And what we see here is Jacob, also known as the deceiver, tricking his brother Esau. He gets food and he covers him with he covers himself with um, animal fur because Esau was hairy, and he put on Esau's clothes to make him smell like Esau. And Jacob went in as the as the deceiver and got the blessing from Isaac as the firstborn. Now this is a, this is a this is a, 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 a crazy thing that we see in Scripture where Jacob deceived his father and deceived his brother. And yet, and yet God in his sovereignty still used it to achieve, his, to, to achieve his purpose. And that's such a beautiful thing. Because the, our scripture says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And friends, that's super important because, you know, we fully mess it up. <laughs> I don't know about you, but we make mistakes and we, and, and, and we say things we shouldn't say. And, and yet, God still achieves his purposes through us. And here in this text, we see God's sovereignty in that, in that he still receives his purpose through Abraham Isaac, Jacob, and then through his son Judah, but we're about to read about Joseph. But as Isaac blesses his son Jacob, he passes on the promises of God. He talks about the promises that God gave to Abraham about the land and that he was going to be a blessing. And it's their people that were the chosen people on earth. And so as Jacob blesses, as Isaac blesses Jacob, Isaac passes on the promises of God from his generation to the next. That's the first one. The second thing we see is verse 21. It says, By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Now, this is referring to Genesis chapter 48. If you know the story, you will know that Joseph was sold as a slave into Egypt. He became really the second most important person in Egypt. And there was a massive famine, and Joseph got his family down to live with him in Egypt, where there was food and there was comfort. After, time, after a period of time, Jacob got older, and he was at the point of death. And so Joseph, his son, wanted his dad to bless his kids. So Joseph brings his sons, which are, which are Jacob's grandsons, to him, to, so, that they, so that Jacob could lay hands on them and bless them. But again, something interesting happens. 
Jacob does this. He switches the firstborn and the secondborn around again. Joseph said, no, that's not right. And Jacob said, no, this is how it's supposed to be. And it was almost like, it was, it was almost like led, led by God that this was how it's supposed to be. But again, the sovereignty of God, people make choices and, and God achieves his purpose. But as Jacob speaks over Joseph's sons, he again declares the promises given to Abraham that we are God's people, that he has a land for us, that he's going to bless us. And he passes over the promises of God from one generation to the next generation. The third scripture we have here is from verse 22. And this is the final one. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, when Joseph was now old, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. See, Joseph believed the promises given to Abraham, that God promised the land of Cana to the, to the Israelites. So even though Joseph is in another nation and his whole family is there, and they're not in slavery yet, by the way, because he's super, super powerful um, and has authority in that nation. Although he's there, he speaks to his brothers and no doubt the uh, people living at the time that God has made promises to us that we are going to live this land and he has a land for us, which is a great land, and God is going to make us a people and he's going to bless us. Again, the bad in passing from one generation to the next. The promises of God going from one generation to the next. In each case, we see the baton pass from one generation to the next. And it's the same with us today. We are in this relay race where we, as God's people, we are called to run our race really, really well because the next generation is watching us. And to hold this baton and show this baton, this message of Jesus, that God loves people that he died for people, that he's for people, that he wants to forgive them. He wants to give them purpose. He wants to give them eternal life. He wants to give them life in abundance. It's a message that we have, and God wants us to run with this message through life and to proclaim it everywhere we go, and then eventually pass it on. So let me ask you this for the next question. How are you running the race? Ask yourself, how am I running? If you're breathing and you're in the room today, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you are running the race. You are running it. How well are you running it? Are you someone who's running with a limp? Are you, are you someone who's not passionate about your faith? Are you someone who runs through life with your baton in your back pocket, not showing the world that you're carrying it? Are you... Someone who runs on Sunday really, really well, but then Monday to Saturday, you, you live like everybody else. Or are you someone who's passionate about God and fit in the Lord? Now, that doesn't mean that you're, you're necessarily physically able because we all get old. But in our spirit, we can be able. In our spirit, we can be fit. In our mind, in our will, in our emotions, we can be fit and we can be strong and we can be running the race. Are you equipped? Are you trained in order to run? What input are you getting? How often are you praying? How often are you in the Word? How is your spiritual fitness? Because we are running this race. And people are watching us. And people don't want to watch running races 
where people are stumbling around and average, they want to watch great runners who, who are built like Usain Bolt and have got like muscles on muscles on muscles. He's built like a robot, that guy. He's extraordinary, lucky Wade, Usain Bolt. They want to watch the best of the best run. And God wants us to run in a way where we know people are watching us. They're watching how we live, how we speak, how we talk. They're watching our lives as we present the message of Jesus. We need to run our race really well. And then the next thing we need to ask is, how are we passing on the baton? Because this is where it goes really wrong. Check this out, another 30-second video. Yeah, the baton pass in the Olympic Games. Anyone, see, anyone ever seen that before? Yeah. How are we passing on the baton to the next generation? How are we doing that? How are we investing in the youth, the young adults, the children of our church and community? Praise God for Cherie, who serves our kids' ministry three weeks out of four. She's down there every week, and she just serves our kids. Praise God for our kids' leaders. Praise God for our youth leaders. Annabelle, praise God for you and, our, and Chloe and Christy and the team who lead our youth. And then Christy and Andrew who lead our young adults. Praise God for our life group leaders who are investing and shepherding the people in their groups. Praise God for those who do foundations with people who are not yet mature in the Lord and we build these foundations. We need to be deliberate in passing this message of Jesus on to the next runner. This could be the person that you work with, the person you go to school with, university with, your friendship group, the people who live in your household, your, your children. How are we passing on the banner? It's super important. Three things about passing on the, 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 the battle, the baton well. The baton, the, the bottom of the barrel. That's, but make sure you get breakfast today. That was a good segue. Passing the baton on well. Three things. Number one is that you need to model it. Just like I said in a relay race, the second runner is looking back at the first runner and they're watching how they run. How are you modeling what a Christian looks like? Because those who are following you, the next runner, are saying, that's what a Christian looks like. One of the things I love to do is baby dedications. Not that I'm into babies that much. But I, but I love challenging the church. I talk to the parents. I talk to the family. And then I talk to the church and I say, Hey, church, if this baby grows up to look like me and you in our relationship with God, is that a good thing? Because we are the models for this child as they grow of what a Christian looks like. And you should be able to say, if you're a Christian here today, Yes, if this baby has a Christian life like I have now, they're going to be doing really, really well. I wonder how many people could say that is true. I wonder. But it should be true for each one of us. We should be running the race where we're fit and trained and we're passionate about the Lord and we're sharing our faith and we're praying and we're in the Word and we're speaking life of encouragement. We are running our race really well. So the people who follow us look at us and go, that's what a Christian looks like. That's what my life is going to look like when I'm big. We need to model it really well. The second thing 
is we need to invest. We need to, be in, we need to be deliberate in investing the message of Jesus and the teaching of the kingdom into their lives. So let me ask you this. Who are you investing in? I'm not just saying, hi, it's great to see you after church. That's lovely. That's a small investment. Oh, Aiden, thank you for leading us in worship today. You're an outstanding young man. That, that's good. It is good. We love that stuff. But who are you getting alongside? A believer who is younger than you or someone who's not yet a believer and you're talking to them about Jesus and you're deliberate. Who are you taking through foundations? 11 weeks, one hour a week. Big commitment, but, 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 but what other greater thing could you do than take people through the, the, the foundations of the Christian faith where they will come to know Jesus and set a foundation for the rest of their lives? Who are you deliberately investing in? Because if we're serious about faith in Jesus, if we believe Jesus is the way, that he's the truth, and that he is the life, we will want to take that message and offer it to others and invest what we have in the lives of others. You know, why do we invest money? Because we, we are looking for a return on investment. What greater investment than sharing the message of Jesus, than discipling, equipping, training people who are not as far as us in the, in the journey yet, investing in them with the message of Jesus. Imagine the fruit on that, where they grow up and then they share it with others because you've modeled it and they've experienced mentoring and discipleship and it radically transformed their life. So they go, that was awesome. Now I'm going to do that for, for, for the next generation. What you do today as you invest is not just one it's the next person and the next person as that person that you invest in shares the message of Jesus with others. So who are you deliberately investing in? And number three, we need to release them. We need to allow, and in this church we do it well, but in many churches they don't give younger people the opportunity because they're going to get it wrong. They're not going to do it as well. And this is true. And this is not saying they're not going to do it as well. That's, that's true when they start out. And then as we release them, they make mistakes and we have to clean up their mess. And to train someone takes a lot of effort. It's just easy to do it yourself. No, we need to be deliberately releasing people to have a go and allowing them to get it wrong and celebrating them when they do great things and correcting and training, and helping them be outstanding leaders in the kingdom of God. Because we're not here forever. We need to be investing in the next generation so that they will be strong in the Lord. And then we need to release them. And it means that as we get a bit older, we need to step back and say, that is great. Keep going. You know, I was, um, it was, we were here last Saturday for the 12 hours of prayer. And, and, and in the last hour, we ended up praying for everybody in the room and, and, and we anointed people with oil and, and it was really beautiful. And Aiden got prayed for. And it was such a beautiful moment. And sp people spoke life over him and gave him prophetic words about a double, anoint, a, 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 a double anointing and, and what God was going to do in his life. Now, that, was, that was deliberate investment. right? That was deliberately investing him. But then we as a church need to release Aiden to, to, to walk in his giftings, and we are, because he led worship so well again today, and, and to be a champion in the kingdom of God. 
He is so far ahead of me where I was at the age of 16. He's like, my ability at 30 is where he's, he is at 16. It's about right, I think. Would you agree? Almost. This guy is going to far exceed my leadership gifting, my influence, and we need to give him opportunity to do that. And, and you know what? Something happens when you shift from doing it yourself to investing in others. There's something shifts. I, I, uh, I, I like to lead worship. I, I do. I've been doing it for years. But what gives me greater pleasure is when I see someone that I've trained and celebrated and equipped, seeing them lead worship, that brings much greater joy to my heart than actually doing it myself. And so as we get a bit older in life, we need to be deliberate in modeling it. We need to live it well so they can see us. We need to be deliberate in investing, finding people that we can speak life into, finding people that we can mentor, finding people that we can train and equip, and be deliberate. Imagine if every single person in this room had one person that you were deliberately investing in. You met with them once every six weeks, once every eight weeks, depending on their life and, and, and their stage of life, and you said, how are you going? How's your walk with the Lord? Where's an area where you're struggling? What are you doing to overcome that? How can I pray for you? How's your Bible reading? Imagine if every person, every one of you did that to someone else who's a believer. Imagine how that would grow them and help them thrive as you invest in their lives. And as we invest, we then need to release. And we need to equip and we need to celebrate and we need to clap and allow the generations that follow to flourish as we step back and allow them to take the spotlight. One last story to finish. A couple of years ago, I was at the ACC conference at Port Macquarie, and I was sitting where Cooper is. And Darlene Check, there's a thousand people in the room, by the way, and Darlene Check was sitting where my wife is, Michelle. Now, if you don't know who Darlene Check is, she wrote the song, Shout to the Lord, 30-year anniversary, by the way, just recently. That was 30 years ago. And anyone remember, anyone remember singing that when it first came out? Yeah. There was a church that I knew they sang it every week for about six months. Killed it. Um, great song. And for me, Darlene Check is one of the greatest worship leaders ever. When she led worship, the whole, the presence of God was at a whole new level. It was extraordinary. So I'm at this conference and, and we're in worship, right? And, and, and on stage are these whole bunch of young adults. There's a couple of older ones playing keyboarding. There's a whole bunch of young adults on stage, and they're singing, and they're, and they're doing the best they can. And were they good? Yeah, they were good. But one of the greatest worship leaders of all time is sitting in the front row. And my selfishness said, darling, check, get her on stage. What are those punks doing on stage? Get her. She's the best in the whole world, right? Because that, be, that would be very personal and very like selfish of me. But as I'm sitting where Cooper is, I uh, look across at darling, check, and she's in the front row, and she's standing out in front of everyone else, and she's the first worshiper in the room. I'll, I'll, I'll get on the stage for, for the sake of the camera. She's the first worshiper in the room, and she's passionate, and she's clapping, and then you know what else she's doing? She's yelling at the worship team, yes, come on, keep going, that's awesome. The greatest worship leader, maybe, of her generation is celebrating these young adults who were okay and having a go. <laughs> and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And that's, that's who we need to be. 
people who have these experiences, this relationship with Jesus, and we get it, and we say, righty, Aiden, it's your turn. You go. Well done, Aiden. It's exceptional, Aiden. Uh, that was dumb. You shouldn't have done that. And you missed that today. But Aiden, you're great. Keep going. Keep going. As we pass on, the, pass on the baton from generation to generation. Amen? Imagine if, he, if, if, if every single one of us was deliberate, again, oh dear, with the baton pass. Imagine if everyone went, I've got something to share. I'm going to find someone and I'm going to invest in them. Imagine the impact that, that would have on this church. Imagine the impact that it would have on the kingdom as people in this church move as they grow up and move as they do. And the impact that would have across this nation by simply investing, by passing on the baton from one generation to the next. Let's stand and we're going to pray. Come on, worship team. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment. Father, we see in this passage how these men proclaimed the promises that you gave Abraham from generation to generation. And Father, it's a wonderful model for us that we will recognize our place in the relay, that we'll recognize what Jesus has done for us and what you've called us to. Father, that you would have your will and your way in our lives, that we will be deliberate in passing the baton on from generation to generation. Father, give us eyes to see the people you want us to influence, the people, the people you want us to invest in. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to pray that God would fill us with his spirit. And he would equip us. And this won't just be another message that you've heard on a Sunday, but this would be a moment of life change. So, Father, I pray, come Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would take what's been said and you will put it deep in our hearts and in our minds. That this message would shake us. That this message from passing this message of Jesus from generation to generation will affect the way that we live, the way we think, and will affect our priorities. Father, I pray for every person who's watching online, every person who's in this space, Lord, Lord that you would put a conviction in our heart, that you would motivate us, that you would, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That you would shift, what's the word? Quicken, spur on. There's a good word. Thank you, Shelley. God, that you would spur on in us a desire to invest, a desire to model, a, a desire to release. Father, in this moment, I pray you'll show us faces of the people you want us to invest in. Let's just wait for a moment. Father, give us that face. Give us that face. And may we be deliberate. May we be deliberate. Let's just sing this chorus once through. Sing it together as we close. Sing this chorus once through. This is the message we proclaim. His name is power. Jeremy, give me the chorus words, mate, for me. His name is power. His name is healing. 
His name is life. He breaks every stronghold, shines through the shadows, and he burns like a fire. This is our Jesus. This is the one that we follow. This is the message that we have. And this is the message that we present to the world. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. Prayer team, come forward. And, and, and if you want the Holy Spirit to empower you, to take this message and pass it on, I'm going to invite you to come forward and receive prayer. God is here. He's moving. We're going to impart the work of the Spirit in your life. Otherwise, be released. Bottom of the barrel is outside. Please grab it. Be released. Otherwise, come forward for prayer as the band continues to sing your name. My name's Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.